Sirius XM Sports Podcasts presents Mad Dog's Daily Bite with Christopher Russo. And good afternoon, everybody! Sir Charles, Mr. Barkley, uh, will say hello. Charles, good afternoon. How are you today, pal? Well, okay? How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. <laughs> you got it, Charlie. Nice to have How do you feel? How's your health? What's going on with that? And we know that you, you know, were sick, been, didn't have the virus, but you were sick. How do you feel I, I, now? Yeah, I didn't, have, I didn't have the virus. I actually been using this time in a positive light. You know, I've been working out every day, and I, I'm, I'm excited because it's Friday because I've only been drinking on Friday and Saturday, and I love to drink. And, hey, Sunday through Thursday are rough without drinking, so I'm excited to drink tonight. And I did see you with Ernie and uh, Weber and uh, Isaiah the other day, and you said the actual test when you got it was very uncomfortable. You made a big deal about that. The Schwab, that bothered you, correct? Oh, man. It's like, uh, you know, they said they stick it in your nose. I think they're trying to see can they get to your brain. I mean, as small as my as small as my brain in, they had to do a lot of digging in there to make sure I didn't have the virus. So, man, it's uncomfortable. But I wish people out there, man, if anybody gets it, bless them and please keep your social distance. Uh, it's, a, it's it's tough, man. It's tough without sports, and a lot of people are dying. This is a very sad situation. It is. All right. Now I know you're a big sports fan. Did you follow the NFL draft carefully? I did. Uh, I, I don't worry about the first round, to be honest with you, because those guys, if you dra- they should all be starters. Uh, anybody who goes to the first round of draft should be a starter. I think the draft really starts really in the third round, but tonight is a good place to start because now you see who can really find the gyms, who've been listening to the scouting, who pays attention to the tape. I mean, the first round, I always tell people, if you're, uh, and this is, you know, sports is the only job in the world, in all the jobs in the world, they tell you, you suck and we're going to let you pick first. If you don't pick good players in the draft, you just don't really know what you're doing. I've said, then that goes for every sport. I mean, sports are the only job in the world where we let the teams that suck go first. And yep. if you're not picking good players, you just don't know what you're doing. Fair. And this Derek Brown, you probably know him. Everybody says he's a great kid, Charles. Give me some thoughts on him. The uh, the defensive lineman who goes to Carolina. I know Auburn. You probably saw him play many a time in person. He seems like a great kid. Is that correct? Well, uh, I met him quite a few times. He seemed like a great kid. All the NFL people I talked to, uh, they they loved him. Uh, They were surprised. uh, You know, every time he's going to go 9, 10, or 11, like, no, he's got to go before that. You know, I talked to the uh, some friends of mine in the NFL. They thought he'd go in the top five or six, and he did. He's a great player. He's got a great motor. Uh, like I said, but I'm just a fan, and I'm just going by what people tell me. They love him. I'm, I was excited for him. Do you think Tua will be a good player and healthy? Well, it's, that's a big caveat. Uh, you know, we, it, it, it sounds like a cliche, but it's true. The best ability is availability. But you know, you know, people talk. He, all, in my opinion, he only had the one bad injury, and it's a serious injury. Is to hip. You know, people talk about those ankle injuries. He just did those ankles just to come back sooner. So I don't count those as major injuries. But the hip thing is serious. I mean, obviously, you know, I went to college with Bo Jackson. That the hip ruined his career, ended his career. Yep. So I know the hips are very serious. So, I, listen, he's a great kid. I have a lot of Alabama friends. He's a great kid. I just hope he can stay healthy. 
It'd be good to the league if he does. Christopher Russo, of course, our good buddy Charles Barkley. All right, Charles, let's do the NBA here for a sec. Then Lou Jordan and a little of the 80s because I've had a lot of fun with that with all these shows here in these last 30 days. Bacon down because you know how much I love the 80s with hoops. All right, first off, the NBA. Do you think we will play again this year? Are you optimistic? I'm not optimistic. Uh, I'm not. Uh, Number one, I think it would suck without the fans. I think we can forget playing with fans for the foreseeable future in all sports, and that would suck. And I just don't know how you can keep these guys safe. You know, I don't think you can put them in Las Vegas or somewhere else like they say, uh, because, number one, I don't think they want to be away from their families for two months. You'd have to worry. You couldn't leave a hotel to go out and get a meal. Uh, you got to worry about what the people who work at the hotel are doing when they're not at the hotel. Uh, I just think it's a scary situation. And I think the worst thing we could happen is uh, are Giannis, LeBron, James Harden. Uh, there's a lot of great players. If one of those guys get the virus in the middle of the playoffs and it kills the whole vibe. I, I just don't see how I just don't see how they can do it with any common sense. But financially, Charles, we all know uh, that the NBA is all the leagues have lost a fortune. Money does talk. I read the quotes by Van Fleet the other night. He said the same thing you did, but he also said, I understand the money aspect here is very, very important. How do we play into that? What's your take there? Well, you know, he's 100 percent correct. And players now are just going to start missing, missing their first paycheck. My my the only thing I could do is. Listen, everybody's made a bunch of money. All the players made a lot of money. All the owners have made a lot of money. Uh, TV's made a lot of money. I think what we got to do, I think the only thing to be fair, we're just going to have to pay everybody to the end of the year. And the team's going to have to lose money. But they're going to go on for uh, forever. They're going to make it up in the long run. The owner's going to make it up in the long run. I think we should pay the players. Uh, and cancel the season. I think, uh, and just do a good, uh, a good gesture toward everybody, because now when you got, like you said, when you start, when players start missing paychecks, some of them guys gonna want to be locked up for two months to get their paycheck. But I, I don't know any other way to do it. Hey, so guys, we need you guys. Y'all need us. We need the fans. Let's just pay these guys for the end of the season and start over fresh in October. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to do it because of money, but to me, that's the only fair way to do it. Everybody gets paid. Everybody, the, the owners who going to always make money on these teams, they're going to take a loss. The TV network's going to take a loss, but you know they're going to always make money, and they've made a lot of money forever on sports. Uh, and and the, some people just ain't going to get a get a fair shake. Do you think that's not fair? Now, so, so you think you think the bigger problem? You think the players are not going to want to be sequestered for that long a period of time? You think that's the big issue here? Well, I don't think anybody wants to be sequestered away from their family for two months. You can't see your family. Like I say, you're stuck in a hotel. You can't even go out and eat because you got to worry about catching the virus if you go out and eat. And then, like I say, there's going to be people working at these hotels who they're going to go home. They don't want to be sequestered in a hotel for two months. I mean, I just don't see how you can do it in a fair way. Yeah. Uh, now, if they do decide to come back, you read the Chris Paul comments this week, we need four weeks. Sounded an awful lot to me. What's your take on that? 
Tranny. Well, I, I, I think he's got to be somewhat sympathetic to the whole, like, because cause what's what the, the thing that's going to be really bad about all these sports, they all, uh, everybody's going to try to play and we're going to be stacked on top of each other. Uh, nobody's going to be like, I don't even know if we have enough networks. If you move all these, they got, they moving all the majors to the fall. If you try to squeeze basketball, hockey, college football, and, and pro football and major league baseball, I don't even know if you have enough networks, how are you going to show everything? I think Chris got to be realistic. I think two weeks, because uh, the sooner we get this thing started, because now you run the risk. If it keeps going all summer running into next season, and then you're competing with all the sports on a, on a television basis. I think that it, the best they could get a players, was to be fair, uh, is two weeks. A month is a lot. And, and I know they probably do need a month, but the players going to have to give something. You're going to give something. Everybody's going to give something. And that's if they play and you still think we're not going to play, to make a long story short. I just don't see how they can do it. Uh, I just don't. Uh, I, like I say, Sequestering these players for two months for the like first of all you have to make the decision. Do you finish the regular season? I mean, we haven't even got to that point yet. Do you finish the regular season or do you do it, do you go right into the playoffs? And some teams are not gonna be happy with that, but they're only one game out in the playoffs. I mean, it's just so many unanswered questions. And I hope we just don't have to see that's the thing that's gonna suck about this whole thing for every sport. We all just gonna have to make decisions based on money. And nobody makes good decisions based on money. They just bet they they just make the best money decision. Right. Fair. Charles Barkley, of course. Now we I've done a lot of it. I can't get enough of it. It's my era. Did you watch the Jordan documentary on Sunday night, the first two parts? Oh yeah. It was it was interesting. Um uh you know, I, I took my, my my takeaway uh several things. Uh number one, I you know I know a little bit about Michael from back then because I didn't meet him too. I met him at the Olympic trials. But I hope a lot of these young guys today who they so worried about their brand and endorsements and followers they get on the Internet, just hear him talk and talk about, I just want to be the best player. And when he told Roy Williams, I'm going to be the hardest working guy you ever had. And when he turned it on, he never turned it off. And then even when he went to the Bulls and he broke his foot, and he's like, no, I just want to play basketball. I hope every young player out there says, because like I say, in my, like, like now, and I hate to be the get-off-my-lawn guy, these guys are more concerned, not all of them, but some today, they're more concerned about their brand, how many Twitter followers they get. They don't want to be the best player. And that was the first thing I thought about when he talked about, when he talked about Roy Williams, about just want to be great. And when Jerry said, yeah, you could ruin your career, he said, I just want to play basketball. I just want to be great at basketball. Uh, that that ball back really chills in my body, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, best player pound for pound I've ever seen. Did you talk? Have you talked to him since then? Have you gotten did he? Did, did, uh, we were all a little surprised he did this. A lot of people think that he wants to do this to knock LeBron because he still wants to be viewed as better than LeBron. What do you think Michael's motivation was, Charles, to get this to do this big documentary? You know, I, I, I'm not going to speculate because I don't know. I, I just, I'm just glad. First of all, I'm glad because anything we can watch right now is better than old reruns. So I agree. I don't, I, I don't know the answer to that. Hey, listen, LeBron's an amazing player. 
Uh, I like him as a man. Uh, he's a great man. And he's a great player. I actually, I've actually thought that LeBron hasn't passed Kobe yet, in my honest opinion. And that's not because Kobe's passed away. I've said it publicly a lot. I thought Kobe was the closest I've seen. Uh, but listen, I, I love I, I, the one thing I thought was funny how Jerry Rizdoff threw Jerry Krause under the bus and ran I've over him. Like, hey, hey, and not only did he throw him under the bus, he backed over him like 10 to 15 times. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like uh, uh, we're uh, like we're stupid enough to believe that Jerry Krause broke up the Bulls. The truth of the matter is, and I knew Michael pretty well back then. I don't. Hey, listen, if people kept talking about how much money Scotty was making, and and they said, "Well, Michael's making thirty million. Michael only made thirty million his last couple of years in the NBA. Scotty Pippen actually made more money in the NBA than Michael. If you actually look at the numbers." Uh, but I just thought it was laughable how Jerry uh, Ransoff just threw Krause under the bus. So Jerry wanted to break it up. Like, yeah, are you kidding me? Nobody saw that documentary. And they made Jerry Krause not look good. But listen, the bottom line is I, nobody who got any common sense whatsoever think Jerry Krause, that little man, broke up the great Chicago Bulls. It was all Jerry's Ransoff doing. A hundred percent. I just had the director on the last hour, and I specifically got into that. He's a nice guy. He did a good job. We all know he did a great job with the documentary. I completely agree. And listen, um, I know you and Pippen have been up, up and down historically, relationship-wise. Uh, I know how great Pippen is, but nobody put a gun to Pippen's head. And I hate to use that phrase, but it's a fair one. Nobody put a gun to Pippen's head to sign a seven-year, $18 million contract. I mean, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry, Charles. I, didn't, I had forgotten this. The fact that Pippen did, had the ankle surgery in September going into that last year because he didn't want to screw up his summer. I mean, that's, that's not the right thing to do. I mean, I thought Pippen did not come across well on those first two well, episodes. It, it, Let me hear your take on that. Well, you know, first of all, it's interesting. I, I've always liked Scottie Pippen, and, and we've always had a great relationship. I was, I was laughing when I, so I read somebody sent me an article that he left uh, Houston because we had a falling out, which is 100% not true. Well, you know, let me tell you what's so funny about the whole Scottie Pippen thing. I, I was in the exact same boat as Scottie Pippen. Uh, my first agent stole all my money. So I signed the same type of deal as Scottie Pippen. And I had to, I, like, I, after four years in the NBA, I was broke. So I signed the same, basically the same deal as Scottie Pippen. And I had the same contract my last four years in Philly and my first four years in uh, Arizona. So I missed the big money, not complaining. I still made great money, but I, I wanted security. So Scotty wanted security, and neither one of us had any clue that the NBA was going to explode probably like five. I think it probably exploded like five or six years into our deals, but our deals was our deal. I didn't handle it that way. Uh, I never held out because uh, I actually had the conversation with Michael. Michael never held out. I wish they would show the comparable salaries to Michael and Scotty, because if you go back and look during those, during those first five or five championships, four or five, Michael actually wasn't making that much more than Scotty, and they never mentioned that. I know they had a storyline that they wanted to show Scotty was getting screwed, but let's be realistic. Michael was the only one getting screwed in the NBA. They, he made that $30 million his last couple of years. But right before that, he wasn't making a lot more than Scotty was. 
But me and Michael had talked. Neither one of us, we had said, hey, we're not going to hold out. We, we signed these deals, and we're going to stick to the deals. And like I say, I got screwed because I turned into a great player. I got screwed when I got traded to Phoenix, and, and Marley and KJ was making more than me. But you know what? I signed a deal. When my first agent stole all my money, I wanted some type of security, and it bit me in the ass in the long run. But you know what? A deal is a deal. No, and, and the thing, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf even said in the documentary, I told yep. Scotty he shouldn't have signed that deal. Don't be stupid. Don't be stupid and sign it. What did um, You were the MVP that year, and that was a great final. You could have won. I know, Jordan, that was the first champion. That was the last championship of the first three. Um, now, Jordan would beat, you know, he beat his mother. Uh, we all know his competitive desire. But there had to be a little part of Jordan that felt bad for you. What's your take on that? Having lost him in that champion in that NBA final in 93. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. If you know Michael Jordan, there is no iota of regret uh, beating a friend of his. Because that's the one thing he always likes having the last word over who he beat. So this, uh, I've always laughed at all this notion about him being friends. Let me tell you something. One thing, if you're friends with Michael Jordan, there's nobody in the world you want to beat more because there's no person in the history of civilization ever rubs it into your face more when they beat you. So I doubt he's thought one iota about beating me uh, or Patrick Ewing or Carl Malone or anybody like that because he always wanted to have the upper hand in conversation when we're joking around. He did. I know that was a series you could have won. I mean, do you have regret? I mean, you lost the sixth game at home. Obviously, Paxson made the jumper to win it. You lost, you know, you lost all three, go- you lost all three games of that series at home. You did not win a home game. What is Charles Barkley? What are you most upset about, about 93? The championship, that's the one you could have won. Well, well what yeah. bothers you about that looking back? Go ahead. Uh, number one, uh, I did not have my team prepared for game one. Uh, we froze under the, under the bright lights. Uh, the, uh, game one was the only game we didn't play well. And I take responsibility as a leader of that team. We, we, we were nervous, and I was not a good enough leader to stamp down all the noise. Uh, we played in big. We played in three game sevens going into the finals. So, but it was a different vibe in the finals. And I take full responsibility for not calming my team down uh, and not having my team ready to play in game one. That's the only, if you go back and look at the series. That's the only bad game we played. Uh, game two, Michael. Uh, I scored like forty-five. Michael scored like fifty. That was a heck of a game. But they made a couple plays down the stretch. We won game three uh, in triple overtime, and I think they Great won game. game four. Yeah, in game five, we won that one. But I take responsibility for game one, not having my team ready for the bright lights. I mean, I was from Philadelphia, uh, so I was used to big moments playing the Celtics. And I said so we had played the Bulls in the playoffs a couple of times, so I was used to big games. But game one uh, – that's I think that's when we lost the series. To be honest with you, you can't lose the game if you got a game one in the series at home. You can't lose that game. So I take responsibility for not calming my team down and not having them ready to play. So that was my fault. 
Uh, uh, now, I'm sure we're going to learn here soon enough in these next eight episodes, but what is Patrick, what is uh, Charles Barkley's main reason of why Michael quit after the first three championships? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, oh, his father, so his father, his father passing away, getting murdered. Uh, the fans getting on him about the gambling. Sick and tired well, of it. What, he loved baseball. What was the reason? I don't. I don't think Michael care about the fans. But listen, we all like to gamble. Uh, I, I'm dying that all these casinos are closed right now. Trust me. <laughs> I think I, it, you know. I've heard two things, uh, which I don't believe. I, I think it had to do a lot to do with his dad. To be honest with you, you know, people have been asking me for. 30 years now, then Michael gets suspended by the NBA. I'm like, dude, why do y'all keep asking me the question like I know? Uh, I, I mean, I think everybody's heard that rumor uh, for 30 years. Uh, I do not believe Michael got suspended at all. I, I just, this is, like I say, this is my personal opinion. I think it had a lot to do with the stress of it, losing his father because I know he was really close to Mr. Jordan. Uh, they were inseparable. Uh, that's the only thing I could think uh, that it was. And I have no idea why he tried that baseball thing. Uh, that was just not going to work. Uh, but, man, I, I give him credit for trying, but that was never going to work. You just can't pick up another professional sport. That's not going to happen. All right. How motivated was he after Shaq beat him in that one series to come back and not let that happen again? Well, I think he was motivated, but I think he was probably more pissed the way Horace Grant acted. But you remember, they carried Horace Grant off on his shoulders. Oh, really? I don't remember that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, if I remember correctly, and I'm pretty sure, when they beat the Bulls, I think and Michael and Horace had struggled, obviously, with him leaving Chicago. And, and that, wasn't, that wasn't even the finals. And I thought they were carrying Horace Grant off on their shoulders, if I remember. And I think that pissed him off more than anything. Fair. I don't remember that in six games. The great Charles Barkley, some thoughts. Right, the other thing, I did, you know me, I love to talk about old-time sports. Here's the other thing that I've been grappling with with the, with the fans in the last 30 shows, and I want you to help me out. The Bird Magic Celtic Laker scenario. Um, I think because of 84, you're, you're, you are not in the NBA yet. But because of 84 and the fact that Bird outplayed Magic and Magic was bad, I still think at the peak of their profession, when they were both not injured and healthy, I think Bird was a touch better. I want to hear your take on it. Go ahead. Damn. That's like asking somebody which one of their kids they like the best. Um, well, let me say this. The three most important figures in NBA history, no disrespect to Bill Russell, Kareem, and Wilt, and Oscar Robinson, or anybody else, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird saved the NBA. Before I got to the NBA, you know, the league was too black, a bunch of drug users, wasn't on national television. The two most important figures in NBA history are Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. They saved the NBA. And obviously, Michael took it to another level, but if it wasn't for Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, none of us would be making a gazillion dollars today. Those are by far and away the two most important figures. I mean, I, 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 God rest David Stern. When, when David Stern took over, the average salary was $250,000. That's the average. And I can tell you another funny story. I remember the first time I was playing with the Sixers. I'm in the locker room with Dr. J, Maurice Cheeks, Moses, everybody. 
I remember the first time a guy made a million dollars. We went around high fiving each other. Magic when he signed for when Magic signed for a million dollars a year, we went around because we could not believe that an NBA player made a million dollars. That's how that's how amazing this league has become in the last thirty some years that I've been involved. We were high fiving when a guy made a million dollars. Twenty five year, twenty five million dollar contract. But in if you had a game to win for your life, would you take Bird or Magic? Well, that, that's a great question again. Uh, I'll tell you what. And I, I would take Bird for the simple reason. Bird can score better than Magic. Magic gonna, Bird going to make the players around him better, and so is Magic. But if I needed a basket, I'm going to go to Bird. Uh, and that's not – listen, and, and my, my explanation I hope is good enough. I don't want to blow up the Internet. Both of those guys are all-time great. But clearly Bird is a better scorer. And uh, Bird going to make – I mean, he's making Mikhail and Paris better. And Magic's making Kareem and James Worthy and Byron Scott better. But if I needed a basket, I'm going to go to Bird to answer your question. All right. Uh, another one that we grapple with all the time. 86 Celtics, you did play against them. The 96 Bulls, best of seven. I think the Celtics beat them. What's your take on that? Uh, in my opinion, Magic's Lakers, Larry Birds, they're the two greatest. You can, you can flip-flop them one way or the other. Both of those teams, are, 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 are they're the two best teams I've ever seen and played against. And I think Mag- uh, Michael's Bulls are third. Uh, I think those teams are too big. Uh, uh, I think they're too deep because those teams had like at least three Hall of Famers and some other really good players. I mean, Bull- that you look at the Bulls. You got Michael. You got Scotty. I actually think Horace Grant Bulls were better than Rodman's Bulls, in my personal opinion. The first uh, I three. do. I thought the first I thought three. the team yeah. I thought the team we played in the finals with Horace Grant. But I thought Horace Grant was a better defender. He wasn't a good at rebounding this Dennis, but I thought Horace Grant was a better jump shooter who gave Michael and Scotty more space to operate. Uh but uh Birds, uh, Celtics, Magic Lakers, and the Bulls are the three greatest teams I've ever seen. Uh the ninety two Olympics, you were the best player on that team. Uh, was it, it was, that was Jordan's, that was not Magic's team. That was not Chuck Daly's team. That was Jordan's team, correct? Well, yeah. I've only met two athletes in my life where people just lose their mind when they're around them. And that's Michael and Tiger. And when you're around those guys, you, you feel something in the air. Uh, I, I, I've been in I've been in this fame thing since 19, uh, really since 81, probably when I graduated high school. Those are the uh, those are the only two guys I've ever been around. Well, you in rarefied air when you're around Michael and Tiger, you're like, wow, it's something different about those two guys. Uh, so we all gravitated to Michael. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would say as much as I love Magic, and Bird was hurt and Chuck Daly, but it was Michael's team. Charles, let me ask you this. Your favorite – now, I don't know who coached you all those years in Philly. I'd have to think about it. Maybe Lynham was there for a while. Rudy T. in Westfall. Who coached you early on in Philly that first run? Who was your coach there? 
Billy Cunningham, one of the greatest oh, he was influences. Gr- yeah. yeah, and he's one of the great influences in my life, even to this day. He's great with me, trying to teach me how to handle my money. He's been a great mentor all these years. Louis, I, I forgot about him. Uh, B- Billy said, I was, you got there a year or so after. So, cutting, who was the best coach out of the three of them? Who was the best? He had Chuck, too. He didn't have to do that much. Who was the best coach as far as diagramming a play in a big spot, uh, making sure he had a good feel of the game, X's and O's? Who was the best coach from that standpoint that you played for? Well, I'd probably go with Billy Cunningham uh, because I think he's a coach who's going to – like, i give you an example. He wouldn't play me in the beginning of my career. He told me I was fat and lazy. And if it wasn't for him and Moses Malone, I wouldn't have become a great player. They got me in shape. But I really liked playing for Rudy T. and Paul Westfall. They were great. They were great. But as far as a guy who's going to be like, no, no, you're not going to play unless you get in shape. He would never wait on anybody. You know, I played on a couple of teams where the coaches would wait on guys. Those teams weren't going to win, I might add. But if he, the Billy left, Dr. J and Moses. If the bus supposed to leave at three, we're going to leave at three no matter what. And I never realized how important that was to winning. Really? Wow. Uh, yeah, I never realized how important that was. Because if, if a team is not disciplined enough, it shows up in important in critical parts of the game. It really does. Yeah. All right. So he even left those two. Why is Malone, and I love him, but he's very underrated historically, Charles. How come? Uh, he never spoke. I think a lot of times, you know, Moses was, uh, he, he was really, uh, really, really uh, common sense smart. And he, he, because he didn't go to college, he didn't talk a lot. He was kind of, like, we used to call him E.F. Hudden. He never spoke, but when he spoke, you had to stop the whole the presses and everybody listened. And that's why he's not, you know, because I don't think you can ever see Moses on a, on a – I don't think he's ever did an interview before. Uh, I really don't. Uh, now that I think about it, I've never seen an old replay of him doing a speech. So if you don't go on TV, you're not going to get a lot of credit. But he is by far and away the most important person in my basketball career. Is he really? Well, how come? Why? He, t- he told you well, hard work, he, play 82 games, well, that kind of stuff? Well, when I got to the – you know, I played around 300 pounds in college. Uh, and when I got to the NBA, I started around 295. And me and Moses stayed in the same building about a month into the season. I'm not getting to play. And I said, Moses, I said, can I come up to your condo, your penthouse, excuse me? He said, yeah, come on up, young gun. And I said, Moses, why am I not getting to play? And he says, Charles, you're fat and you're lazy. And I says, what do you mean? He says, you fat and you're lazy. <laughs> and, this guy, and this guy who's already the greatest says, Charles, you weigh 300 pounds, basically. You can't play that. You can do get away with that in college. You can't do it. This guy met me every morning, every night. Got me. We got the 290, 280, 270, 260. 250. Actually, we got to 240, but I didn't have any strength. He says, you need to play at 250. For a guy who was already one of the all-time greats, to meet a young kid who was fat and lazy and work out with him, make him lose 50 pounds. Uh, I used to, I, and, and one of the most bittersweet days of my life, I got to do the eulogy at his funeral. And because I called him dad from that first year on, he was like a father to me. 
And when his family asked me to do the eulogy, it was one of the most bittersweet days of my life. And I can never thank Moses enough for being that guy, man, to take a, a young fat kid under his wing. Wow. Uh, I didn't realize you did the eulogy for Moses. Best offensive rebounder of all time. Shot 80% from the free throw line and very underrated historically. And Charles just told you why. All right, did you like, did you like Malone? Carl? Yeah. Oh, I like Carl a lot. Carl, me and Carl were, were roommates in 1984 somewhere. No, 82 at the World University Games. I really liked Carl a lot. He's a, you know, he, all he want to do is hunt and fish. I don't hunt, but I like to fish a lot. And we just hit it off. So you, what do you think of him? I think he's a little overrated in a big, big spot. Now, you're not going to probably agree with that. And he's up against Jordan, which makes it tricky. But I almost think in a big spot, I'd rather have Stockton. What's your take on that with Utah? Well, I don't. I think that you can't you can't do one without the other. Uh, he played with me. Uh, uh, played, in my opinion, with other than Isaiah Thomas, the best pure point guard we've ever had in the NBA. So I don't think you can talk about Carl without talking about John. I mean, you know, Isaiah Thomas to me is the one guy who always gets left off the all-time great list. I mean, to what they did in Chicago. I mean, excuse me, Detroit. What he did at Indiana. He's the best little man, in my opinion, to ever play the game. He always, because people don't like his personality, he never gets talked about as one of the all-time greats. I agree. Uh, but other than, other than, uh, other than uh, Isaiah, John Stockton, to me, is the best little guy to ever play the game. I agree with you, uh, Stockton. And uh, Nash is pretty close, too. Uh, I love Nash. Let's not, let's not forget him. Yeah, uh, I, I love Steve Nash. But you have to ask yourself, uh, as great a Steve, uh, player as Steve Nash is, is some of it due to the D'Antoni system? Uh, because you, you got James Harden, who's, to me, the greatest scorer who ever lived. Uh, we've never had a player – you know, when I said that like three years ago, people looked at me like I was crazy. I said, I, "See, I think he's a, I think he's a little overrated because I don't love him in a big game either." You love Harden that much? Well, that's my point, though. You see, I, I think it's, I don't think he can work in the playoffs. I think it's a regular season offense. I think James, James, I say James is the greatest offensive player I've ever seen. He's not as good a player as Michael or Kobe, but if you need one basket. I might take my chances with James Harden, but I don't think you can play that way during the playoffs and win a championship. Yeah, and they haven't yet. Um, why do, uh, is this hatred that, that we all think between Jordan and Isaiah? Is that true? Uh, uh, hatred? Is there a word worse than hatred? Oh, really? They hate each other that much? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Hey, those two guys are not going to break bread together. I can promise you that. Oh, but, I want to say one, but, uh, but I want to say one thing, because there's been these rumors out there. Another thing, we were never, I can say for myself, I was never asked by anybody to exclude Isaiah off the dream team. You know, those been those fake, uh, like I say, I don't know what happened between Michael and uh, the committee, but I want to make it clear. In my whole deal with the dream team, not one time was I ever asked about Isaiah Thomas. And that's been the rumor that's been going on for 100 years. I don't know what Michael said to him, and, I, and he never mentioned it to me. But this notion that we, we got together and tried to keep Isaiah off the dream team was 100% just a lie. 
All right. Fair. Uh, now, let's. Uh, I gamble, too, So, and I've lost a fortune in my lifetime. We've all heard the rumors with you gambling. Is this, is this a little exaggerated, or is this some truth to it? Let me hear. I love to gamble. Uh, I love it. It's fun. It's exciting. It sucks when you lose. Gambling is only fun when you win. Uh, it sucks when you lose. I love going to the casinos. I love uh, I love betting on football, uh, uh, but I miss going to the casino. I love it. I've lost a lot of money. I've won a lot. I've lost more than I I've lost more than I won, but I love to gamble, and uh, I can't wait for these casinos to open back up. Uh, is LeBron a good guy? He's a great guy. He's not a good guy. He's a great guy. Uh, you know. Uh, you know that, and that's what's interesting when they, all these guys are trying to compare people. Like, I think that Michael and Kobe would kill somebody to win. But LeBron, he's a great man. Uh, and I, yeah, he's a, you know, people, cause, you, know, people that's, you know, in my travels, people always want to know who's a good guy. I said, man, they said, what about LeBron? I said, LeBron's not a good guy. He's a great guy. Uh, I, can, I always said that he's a great guy. Not competitive. In, I mean, but Jordan is such a great competitor. That is a big edge he has and when you match up LeBron and Michael historically head-to-head. Don't you agree? A hundred percent. Like I say, I've only met two guys who – Michael and Kobe are the only two guys who just wanted to win, didn't worry about the ramifications, didn't worry about their teammates. Like, they just wanted to win. Uh, I think that's one thing. That's why I always compare – uh, LeBron closer to Magic Johnson. I, I always agree. compare him a lot closer to Magic than the because Kobe and Mike are the only two guys who they did they they want they want to win at all costs no matter what. Yeah, I agree with you on that. He's more like Magic. How, did you get along? Um, uh, did you love Stern? Did you you came up the same year he did? What was your relationship like with him? He was great to me. Uh, I think four times I did something really stupid and. Is one of the few times a grown man can make another grown man almost cry when he is yelling at you and MFing you and kicking your ass. It's a really tough conversation. I think there were four times where I really screwed up when I was in that office, and I actually thought I was going to cry because any great leader, which he was, you have to keep your troops in line. And the NBA would not be what it is today without him. But let me tell you something. Uh, when I've been in that office and he's yelling and screaming and MFing me and SOBing me, it's very uncomfortable, but I deserved it. But it's not a pretty sight and feeling when you're in that room, plain and simple. Now, the one time that I remember is a long time ago when you, when you had that fight in Milwaukee. Is that one of the times he went nuts? No, 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 no. That, that would, no, no. At that, that time I was justified. That's what the jury said also, just for the record. But no, um, I screwed up probably three or four times really bad. Obviously, people know about the spitting thing. Um, uh, There was a couple other – I got into it with Mike Mathis one time. Uh, He threw me out of like five straight games because he hated me, and there was no need for him to do that. I I screwed up the first time going at him, but he held a grudge, and we had to meet with the commissioner. And I was was like, this dude is throwing me out of five straight games. That's impossible. He's mad about something I said the first time he threw me out. And uh, but I uh, I got arrested a couple other times and he really ripped into me, man. And like I say, I deserved it. But you know the thing, I, and I've said this when he passed away, 
the one thing I always admire about Commissioner Stern, after he called you every name in the book for an hour and a half, he always put his arms around you and he walked you out the door and said, son, just do better and grow up. Wow. He always did that. Wow. Very excellent. Listen, we all know that Stern, as you said, he kind of helped build the league after there, after Jordan and, um, and Bird. How about the Olympics? Did you like Bobby Knight with the 84 with the Olympic trials? I did not. Uh, I thought he had a grudge against me. I knew I was the second best player there. Most people agree I was the second best player there. Uh, he and, and I'd always respected him, but he did not like me. Uh, I'd always respected him, and I, and I admire him because he graduates his players, which is the most important thing. But I was really disappointed. You could tell right away, because we started with 120 players, and I made it down to the final 20, and I know I was at least – Michael was the best player there. But I was at least the second best player there. And you could – Everybody, you could just tell I was not going to make the team, no matter how well I played. He had his mind made up before I got there, and that was very disappointing. So you were bothered by that. Um, uh, I was really bothered. I was really bothered by that. Yes, sir. All right. Um, uh, Shaq's a great guy, is he not? He's a great guy. He's weird because he wants to work all the time. Like, I've never been around a person who – never wants free time. Like, he has stuff to do every weekend. Like, whether it's shooting a commercial, he DJs on the side. I've never been around a person that never wants free time. Yeah, he's he's got a very good heart, Shaq. Uh, That's the sense I get out of him. He's got a very, very good heart. Uh, Let's get back to... He's got a great heart. Great heart. All right, let's let, let's get back to this, and then we'll let you go. You've been nice enough to be on so long. You think that playing, and this is what people want to hear. They want to hear Jordan stuff. You did a great job there, but they also want to hear about the about where we are. You think, in your this is your opinion. In your opinion, you think the NBA should not do this and just worry about getting set for 2020, 2021. It's not worth the aggravation it's going to cause by trying to reset this year. That's your opinion right now? That's my opinion. I just Because uh, nobody can give – like, if somebody gave me a reasonable way to do this, uh, like, number one, I, I really – I would be disappointed to play a sporting event without fans. The fans are an integral part of the whole thing. But also, locking guys in a hotel for two months, not being able to see their family, uh, I don't see how that's – I just don't see that happening, to be honest with you. And uh, if somebody could give me a concrete way to make this work, yeah, I would like to finish the season. But if we're just going to finish the season for money, and listen, I'm very aware of money is important in sports and the whole landscape of life. But I don't want us just to do something silly and stupid just for money. I happen to agree. We'll see what they do. Charles, we will talk soon. You gave me 40 minutes today. And that's more than enough. You did a great job. We'll keep in touch. Thanks for a few minutes here. Hey, listen, hey, I want to thank you for having me. Everybody stay safe out there. I want to say thank you for take, giving me 40 minutes. So now I only got 23 hours and 20, 40 more minutes to do nothing. <laughs> 
Want more Chris Russo? Listen to Mad Dog Unleashed weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Mad Dog Daily Bite is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.